Welcome to Midnight Book Club. I'm John Mark. And I'm Alexa. Pour yourself a stiff drink, pull up a chair, and get lost in the fantasy for a while. Sipping bottles in the club like a lizard. <laughs> getting blizzard. <laughs> I don't think those are the lyrics to G6, but I could be wrong. are the lyrics, then? I don't. Popping bottles, bottles in, in the, the club. club getting slizzard. <laughs> oh, wow. See, like, you can't so, remember any uh, others. Um, something, something, DQ Blizzard? <laughs> DQ Blizzard. <laughs> I don't think that's the lyric either. <laughs> Popping bottles in the club, getting straight slithered. 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 <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, speaking of slitherins, slitherins. Um, can we can we take a moment to talk about the Harry Potterness? The Harry Potterness of what? Can, can we all just cool it, like I, I, from one millennial <laughs> to other millennials? Can can we chill out on the Harry Potter fandom just a little bit? Like yeah. it's not an identity. I love it. I love the series. I love the books. It's not an identity. <laughs> yeah, it's not a personality trait. I feel like this is very sensitive for a lot of millennials of a certain age. I, as someone who falls into that category, I don't need to watch your five minute long gender reveal <laughs> that is projected onto the side of your house and set to the Harry Potter theme that song. That was ridiculous. I, I, I don't have a defense <laughs> of that. Actually, I went to a school that a lot of people thought resembled Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. And it was super annoying because we had a Quidditch club. Oh, yes. And they would practice and <sighs> we would walk by like to, in, in we, the, we would walk by and like have to pretend not to notice. This not to notice the, these absolute dorks like, OK, huge, huge Harry Potter fan mm-hmm. myself. I, I, I am a I am a dork. I am very aware of this. I feel like like live action Quidditch players are to nerds what nerds are to normal people to quote the great zero <laughs> punctuation. Um yeah, like there's definitely like tiers of of nerddom here and I I definitely feel I feel like like playing real life Quidditch mm-hmm. is like just below larping. Yeah, I think there's a large overlap between people who really, really like Harry Potter. And Mm -hmm. by really, really like, I mean naming their kids after Harry Potter things. Yeah. Like, Like, don't don't name your kid Luna. Like, that's... Making it, like, a big part of your personality in your life. Yeah. Naming, Naming any child after, like, a fictional character is dangerous in any capacity. As someone who helps run a fantasy related podcast (laughs) and is doing a literary analysis of of the Hobbit. Like (laughs) I very much suspect that the Venn diagram between Harry Potter fans and I mean like diehard fans and Disney adults is more or less a circle. No, I, I, mm. because it's a very similar fan. It's a very similar. I feel like it's a very similar personality trait. Okay, maybe um, maybe what I mean is that it's not necessarily like every Disney kid is 
a Harry Potter fan, mm, but mm. they are very similar in terms of how they behave. Yeah, yeah. It definitely becomes like a way of life. Mm-hmm. It becomes it's, one of the staples of like their interests and their social media presence, and and like it, it's a little there's, uncomfortable. There's there's just too much ide- self identity. I I feel like wrapped up in it, and that that's I think really what bothers me. Like just find something else about you. That is unique to you. And yeah. don't tie it to a fandom of any kind. Like I, I mm-hmm. you, I'm, I, I'm speaking to the majority of you. You, the person have so much to offer the world in unique personality traits and unique interests that no one else can bring to the table. So why do you hide that behind something that's kind of, corporate produced and mass commoditized yeah that's a really good point i mean in the end you're really just giving corporations free advertising that like absolutely that like i so and i also am kind of on team let people enjoy things yeah but there's a there's a level (laughs) at which it's like come on like you are making us all look crazy, and by us I mean millennials. Like yes. we already get yes. such a bad rap, and then all of the other generations are going around thinking that we're collectively all obsessed with Harry Potter and Disney. But I think it's perfectly fine to like those things mm-hmm. in moderation. Like I enjoy going to a Disney park once in a while. I very much enjoy like playing Harry Potter Lego. You can talk to John Merck about it. I've been it's, playing it's through a lot it of recently. Hours. <laughs> it's very fun for me. It's a lot of fun. I still consider that like casual fandom. Though. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, like you haven't like painted your car in Harry Potter like house colors. You don't have like a Ravenclaw tattoo. No, Which no. actually I wouldn't even bother me as much as some of these other things. So I also and this is a much broader comment, mm-hmm. but I think I'm generally against naming your child Anything that has to do with literature, mm-hmm. popular culture, yeah, yep. movies. We're going to see, in another f- 10 to 15 years, we're going to see a bunch of really annoying Khaleesi's running around. Well, the reason is because the way that we look at literature changes yes. over the years. Like, <laughs> yes. One really good example of this is Atticus Finch. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. To Kill a Mockingbird, very popular. A lot of people read it in middle school mm-hmm. or early high school. And everyone named their child Atticus because he was represented as the good guy. He's yes. a good lawyer. He's yes. not a racist. But then the sequel comes out many years later. Mm-hmm. And it's called Ghost Head of Watchmen. And everyone realizes that Atticus is not the good guy. Yes. And then they're like, okay, I have a two-year-old named Atticus. <laughs> what do I do now? That's just yep. one example. Yep. Think of all the people that named their kid Khaleesi Mm -hmm. from Game of Thrones. Yes, and then season eight comes around. Oh, no, it turns out she's actually been the bad guy all along for reasons. But, like, that's not a good example of writing. But that's how characters change. Like, perceptions of characters change. Trends change. Stay away from trends. Yeah, it's it's kind of like not putting a bumpet in your hair, like, Mm -hmm. in your yearbook photo, which you might not know what a bumpet is. Is it the poof? It's the poof, like that was very popular in the late two thousands. It's just like it's identifiable. It it dates you, and like you never know what's going to happen to that property. 
like there are some probably safe like the bible is probably safe because yeah. everyone kind of acknowledges that the bible is sort of formative in that way mm-hmm. that no one's going to be like oh you named your kid daniel there's there's that's no, so weird there's no scrolls coming out that turns out that daniel kicked puppies on the weekend like no one's finding that like there's no new revelations coming out about the bible despite what a lot of people may claim it's it's all pretty much already there like so like these things aren't going to change anytime soon like it's yeah it's the same reason they they recommend not getting like tattoos that are based on like a relationship that you're in or like based on like a band like it's just that things change and mm -hmm. especially like in a very fast moving like culture like Mm -hmm. how the internet has collectively changed people's minds so quickly i think you're kind of setting your child up for failure because who knows what's going to happen in 15 years like who knows what's going to happen in six years when they're in elementary school and also from a personal level like if you're going to name your kid after a fantasy character at least name him after something cool like not one of the background weird characters that nobody cares about i feel like we're subtweeting and we can't it's, really it's, say what I know. it's specifically about but it is about one person there is one person in particular that that has triggered this ire but it's kind of just been a generalness that's been building for a while <laughs> I think it's very strange, um, like not to get into the Harry Potter and J.K. Rowling thing, um, mm-hmm. but I just think you can't disassociate it. Like as much well, as well, when I, the author is still alive and actually actively tweeting terrible things every like three or four days, like it's very hard to separate the art from the artist because they're yeah. constantly associating themselves with their own work, which yeah. you can't blame them because that's literally their their living, like. More intelligent people than than I have explained mm. the death of the artist yeah. and all of that. And I do believe you can still enjoy things that like are created by people that are not great. I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of the same argument as like, can you enjoy Kanye's music? Yeah. Like, can, it, can you, you listen to Michael Jackson? Yeah. Like, like there's a lot of different things this can be discussed mm-hmm. around. But I just feel like it's weird to name your kid after a book where the author is just actively in the news like yeah. almost every week for yeah. like doing something strange. It just, it's probably going to make people feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people are like, I don't care, but it's like, I kind of care, especially because it's like not even a main character. And yes. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's not even one of the like less recognizable names. It's, yeah. Like, like it, if it were a Lord of the Rings comparison, like it'd be the equivalent of like naming your kid, like, um, Galadriel's husband. Galadriel's husband. Yes, she had a husband. Really? I, 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 I'm not 100 if it's canon in the books or not, but in the in the movies, she had a husband. He's never he he has like three seconds of screen time. <laughs> I I think he has a name, but I'm not entirely sure what it is. Anyway, long run yeah, to yeah. say that I just feel like. Taking any name from popular literature, popular culture is a it's risk. It's dangerous. It's a risk. It is very dangerous. You need to very much understand what you're doing to your child. Unless the name's so common that it's like, mm-hmm. okay, this will fade into the background. Yes. I actually think it's really funny because there was someone who is pretty popular in a certain circle of people that named their kid Dawson. Oh, yes, yes. And they named... Okay, you... 
What do you think of when you hear the name Dawson? Dawson's Creek. Right. Mm -hmm. She didn't name him after Dawson's Creek. She named him after Jack Dawson from Titanic. Mm -hmm. Raise of hands. Who of you remembered that Jack's last name was Was Dawson? Dawson? (laughs) (laughs) Nobody. (laughs) No one knows that. (laughs) Okay. So like this is a good example. Like that's actually a good way of naming your kid after like a fictional character is like, Mm -hmm. oh, hey, the last name was Dawson. No one's going to remember that. They can they can disassociate themselves from that. However, if they want to. It a, I mean, However, like, it doesn't work in this case because Dawson's Creek was very popular and that's where most people's brain goes. And it's also not going to hurt this kid because I don't think anyone's going to be like, oh, you're named after Dawson's Creek. Like, no one's going to remember in like 10 to 15 Yeah, that, years. that's the other thing is that it's not a super pop. Like, yeah. Dawson's Creek was very, very popular for its day. But it's even, it was kind of like at the tail end of like Gen Xers mm-hmm. and like even they're probably kind of starting to forget about it at this point. Like yeah. it's it, yeah. In another 10 to 15 years, it'll be fine. But like for now, like that kid's <laughs> going to have a couple of teachers in elementary school who are like, Oh, I wonder if you're named after blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Hot take. But I think the only acceptable name is Elon Musk and uh, Grimes. Kyle. Child's, which is like Kyle. the dial up. noise. <laughs> <laughs> That is the way of the future is naming your child noises Ooh. and like I mean, what random are, what characters. Are, what are names but noises that we just make when we're trying to get someone's attention? Hey, you know like those services that guess your pass well not guess your password. You know those services You're not supposed to talk okay, about those sorry. publicly. <laughs> I revealed too much. Um you know those services that give you like a randomly generated strong password mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what if we just just use those as, use as names those as like names. people names yes i love it i love it and then then your name can double as your password i love it it's beautiful it's a fantastic and flawless system i see no, no way that this can go wrong <laughs> in any way whatsoever it's interesting um we've spent like 30 minutes talking about names but one other thing that uh, people find very surprising is in a lot of other countries, especially in Scandinavian countries, there is like an approved list mm-hmm. of names that mm-hmm. you can name your child. I actually don't oppose this. I it, it, It's so weird because like there's so much of me that's just like, that's a stupid name. Why would anyone ever saddle their kid with that for the rest of their life? There should be like a committee or something. But then there's like the little like deep American red blooded, like eagle snorting patriot in the back of my brain. That's like, no, nobody can tell me what to name my kid. I'm going to name him fucking dump truck if I want to. Like, yeah, I like personally, I just feel like there are some names that shouldn't be used. Yeah. <laughs> And there are too many children, and I'm going to insult so many people by saying this, but mm-hmm. there are so many people named like Brayden, Trayden, Caden. Oh, my God. Kaden. <laughs> okay, then. Okay, then. <laughs> it's just like, it's too much, guys. Yeah. We need an approved list, okay? And like, like stop with the weird spellings. Like We don't need a Y where there should be an E. Yes. You're just making it hard for their elementary school teachers. How many possible ways can we... Well, Ashley, I just want to know. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And our apologies if you're our sort of apologies if you're any of the, any of those people who are named that that. Hey, jokes on me because I have the same name as an Amazon product. Yeah. So, yeah. I it, mean, they couldn't really see that coming. <laughs> I can't really say my parents were like, "You know what? 
in like that's, 23 years that's a really good example too like is like you never know in 20 some odd years what what's gonna come up like yeah so, so really who's the joke here yeah ha <laughs> ha i get it it ain't making me laugh but i get it <laughs> So, uh, I think most people actually came here for some Tolkien. Um, really? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's only like in the name of the podcast or something. So, huh. um, yeah, so. We, should, we should probably talk about some literature, I guess, at some point, rather than just like old man yells at Cloud about names. I could do that all day, honestly. Now yeah, that I'm yeah. getting into my late 20s, I'm like, mm-hmm. why is it like this? Mm-hmm. What is this new thing? Things are different, and I don't like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I usually, I'm the one up on the soapbox, so that that's definitely a little different. We're we're not, you know, it's 2022. We're we're an equal opportunity podcast, so women can be up on soapboxes too. Women be soapboxing, indeed. Do you want to introduce the podcast? Or? Yeah, yeah. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, I'm John Mark, and I'm Alexa. Um, I am a Lord of the Rings super fan. Uh, I'm still hesitant to use that that term, but I think I f- I do fall into that category. But I am by no means an expert, and I know there are people who are much much more into this than I am. You can be a super fan without being an expert. Yeah, that's true. You know, you're right. You're yeah. right. You are absolutely correct. And I'm Alexa, and I consider myself a big fan of Lord of the Rings, even though I've never read through the entire book series. Which is why we're currently remedying that. Yes. Well, maybe not the entire book series, but we're starting somewhere. We are reading through The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. By John Tolkien. Thanks, John Mark. Yep. Yep. That, that's, yep. That, that clears is, a lot up. That is his name. Yep. And tonight we are covering chapter two, Roast Mutton. Mm-hmm. Um... And so with that, I think we should probably just transition into the long and the skinny. What do you what do you think? This is the part where we summarize. And by we summarize, I mean John Mark summarizes because he is taking the lead on this. That's true. Uh, it is a little bit of a new switch for us. So uh, bear with me. This is only week two uh, that I have been in charge of the summarizationally. Um, so uh, without any further ado, uh, roast mutton. The next morning, Bilbo gets ready quite quickly, and when he goes into the kitchen, he sees the remnants of breakfast. There are dirty dishes everywhere. He is relieved that the dwarves have gone on without him. He is surprised to feel a little disappointed. Gandalf suddenly walks in. He says, I thought you said you were going to get an early start. He says the dwarves left a message for him because they couldn't wait any longer. Gandalf is taken aback because Bilbo hasn't done what he normally does and dusted his mantle. Gandalf says the message is on the mantle under the clock. The note from Thorin and company to burglar Bilbo extends a thank you for his hospitality and details their acceptance of his terms. They offer payment for travel and funeral costs. The note tells Bilbo to meet the dwarves at the Green Dragon at 11 a.m. sharp. Gandalf says that that's in 10 minutes. You'll have to run. He keeps telling him that he'll have to forego this and that and get there on time. Bilbo to this day doesn't understand how he got to Bywater so fast. So, quick little aside here that I never caught... This is my fourth or fifth time reading this book, and I never caught this until you wrote your notes in your summary, that it, Bilbo only had 10 minutes to get to the Green Dragon. He was about three to four miles away, mm-hmm. which is a time-spatially impossibility. 
I never caught the implication just in the little line that Bilbo to this day doesn't know how he made it to the Green Dragon on time. I never caught the implication that Gandalf got him there magically. Yeah, it's it's actually very subtle. It's very subtle, and I never once caught that. Um, so good good going, Alexa, for catching that one. And Bywater is where the Green Dragon is. Correct, correct. correct. That's the it, it's a little like side suburb town of the Shire. So he is met by Balin, who says, "Bravo." All the other dwarves appear on ponies. Each pony is loaded with packages and supplies. There's a small pony for Bilbo. Thorin tells him to come. Bilbo apologizes for coming without his hat. Balin offers his cloak for, to Bilbo. And so they set off right before the month of May. Bilbo's borrowed cloak is comically large and looks funny on him. Gandalf appears on a splendid white horse. He had brought Bilbo's pipe and tobacco. The dwarves begin telling stories and singing songs. Side note, we don't actually find any of the songs or the lyrics for the songs. There's a lot of those in the previous chapters, etc. Um, they do stop for some meals, which doesn't come around quite often as Bilbo had hoped. Um, they, they don't do second breakfast. They don't do 11s. They don't do afternoon tea. God. Mm-hmm. What savages. Bilbo does begin to think that maybe adventures are pretty fun after all. First, they pass through Hobbit lands. Then they come to a land where the people speak strangely. And then they enter the lowlands, and then dreary lands with trees and old castles. The weather takes a drastic turn, and it's turned cold and wet. Bilbo realizes that it will soon be June. It is pouring with rain one day. Bilbo's cloak is soaked, and they are treading on rocks. The dwarves are getting grumpy. Bilbo fantasizes about being back home with the Catalan. The dwarves keep going, seemingly without second thought. It starts to get dark as they descend into a valley with the river at the bottom. The wind is kicking up so much that the trees are nearly bending. They stop, and Thorin starts wondering about dinner and dry land to sleep on. One of the dwarves notes that Gandalf is gone, just when a wizard would have been most valuable. They decide to camp where they are under a clump of trees. They're dripped on endlessly. Dwarves can usually make a fire in any condition, but they couldn't do it that night. One of the ponies bolts and all the luggage that they carried was lost, which was predominantly food. The very organ trail style. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There may be some rattlesnake bites and some dysentery. <laughs> Lots of dysentery. Lots of dysentery. Maybe a bear attack. Mm. Bilbo realizes adventures are not all magical. One of the dwarves points out a light in the distance. The dwarves begin to argue. Some argue they should check it out, as anything would be better than staying here. Others argue more caution, as these parts are known to be dangerous. They are still wondering where Gandalf has gone. The rain starts pouring more than ever. They decide to go towards the light. They make a bunch of noise. They see a bright red light ahead. They say it's time for Burglar Bilbo to show his stuff. They tell him to come back quick if all is well, and if not, make owl noises. Bilbo does not tell them that he cannot make owl noises. <laughs> he starts walking to the red light. He finds three very large humanoids sitting around at a very large fire. They're licking gravy off their fingers. There's a toothsome smell. These beings are clearly trolls. One troll complains about having mutton for the umpteenth time. No human meat to be found. Another troll tells the first that he can't expect people to just stop to be eaten by them. Bilbo stays put, even though he should have doubled back to warn the, other, warn the dwarves. He also could have stealthily pickpocketed the trolls or stuck a knife through them if he was quick enough. He is alarmed and disgusted by them. He is alarmed and disgusted by them. Even so, he knows he can't go back empty-handed. Picking their pockets seems the least risky option. Bilbo picks one of their pockets and finds a purse. The troll grabs him as he fishes it out of his pocket. The troll shows the other trolls his catch. 
He introduces himself as Bilbo, a burgle hobbit. The troll asks what a burgle hobbit is doing in his pocket. Another says that Bilbo wouldn't even make a mouthful of food. Bert the troll says that he may make a nice pie. So at this point, we start picking up on the names of the trolls. The three of them are kind of semi-interchangeable, and it's kind of written in a slightly confusing manner. There's Bert, William, and Tom. Tom, yes. Correct? That is correct. Yep. And doesn't he introduce himself as a burrow hobbit, not a burglar hobbit? Well, he starts saying burglar. But then he corrects And then he corrects himself himself mid, mid. So the trolls blend it together. What's a burglar hobbit? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Another troll picks him up by the toes and shakes him. The troll asks if there's any more of his kind around. Bilbo tells him that lots, and then remembering not to sell the dwarves out, corrects to none at all. He tells them he can cook for them if they kindly won't eat him. I cook better than I cook if it were say, if you were to see. One troll says to let him go. Bert says not until he tells us what he meant by lots and none. He continues arguing with William the troll. Bert drops Bilbo as they begin to fight. They nearly roll into the fire. The third troll hits them to try to get them to stop, which makes things worse. Bilbo lays down, panting near the fire, unable to get to his feet. Balin appears from out of nowhere, having heard the commotion. He howls when he sees the trolls. The trolls stop fighting and grab Balin. Tom the troll says that there's more to come. No burgle hobbits, but lots of dwarves. They use sacks to capture each dwarf one by one. Soon all the dwarves lay in a pile by the fire. Thorin comes up last and isn't caught off guard. He stands outside in the shadows and asks what's going on. It's trolls, Bilbo says from behind a tree. The trolls have forgotten about Bilbo. Thorin approaches with a stick on fire. He pokes Bert in the eye. Bilbo grabs Tom's leg. William is still able to capture Thorin. They argue about whether to roast or mince them or squish them into jelly. Bilbo doesn't move from his place. At that moment, Gandalf approaches, though no one knows that yet. A voice argues that it's no use roasting them now. It'll take too long. This incites an argument. In the end, they decide to... This incites an argument. In the end, they decide to mince and boil them. A voice says there's no use boiling them. Besides, it's a long way to the well. The argument starts again, hotter this time. Finally, they decide to sit down on the sacks and squish them. A voice says better to sit on the last one first. Tom says not to talk to himself, but to sit on the last one if he wants. Another troll asks which one is the last one. He responds, it's the one with the yellow stockings. The voice says, no, it's the one with the gray stockings. The sun comes up as they're arguing and turns all of them into stone. And still they stand to this day. It turns out trolls... And still they stand to this day. It turns out trolls must be underground before sunup. Gandalf emerges and Bilbo realizes that Gandalf had been the voice all along. They let the dwarves out of the sacks. Gandalf says that they should look for a troll cave. They begin following tracks until they find a big door of stone that leads to a cave, but they're unable to open it. After they struggle for quite a while, Bilbo says he found something on the ground when the trolls were fighting, which was a very large key. Gandalf is like, really? You couldn't tell us that before. They're able to open the door. There's bones and a nasty smell. They find food within, however, as well as coins, buttons, and clothes. These are the items that belong to the previous victims of the trolls. There are also swords with brilliant jeweled hilts. Gandalf and Thorin take a sword each, and Bilbo takes a knife that is really more like a short sword for a hobbit. Gandalf says these swords were not made by a troll or by a smith in these parts, but when we read the runes on it, we should be able to know more. They leave the cave with food and coins, as well as one barrel of ale. They are hungry and turn their thoughts towards breakfast. They now have bread, cheese, and bacon. They feast and sleep. 
Then they set off on ponies again and bury their gold. Then they set off again towards the east. Thorin asks Gandalf where he went. Gandalf says to look ahead. And what brought you back just in time, Thorin asks. Looking behind, Gandalf reports. Gandalf says that he met some friends from Rivendell. Bilbo asks where that is. Gandalf says not to be impatient, they'll be there soon enough. These men that Gandalf ran into and were El- These men that Gandalf ran into were Elrond's men. They were hurrying along for fear of the trolls. The trolls had come down from the mountains and had been waylaying strangers on the roads. Gandalf felt that he was needed and turned back, only to see a fire in the distance which he made right for. Thorin thanks him. And scene. Pretty short chapter. It is a pretty short chapter, fun, but fun nevertheless. Um, as I said, I think I said this in I think I said this in the last episode, but um, it's important to remember that, like I said, uh, Tolkien wrote this mostly for bedtime stories for his kids, um, especially in some of these early chapters, which is why that kind of it kind of reads that way. It kind of reads like a little like fun little evening adventure before bed kind of thing. It, it has a, a a nice little climax and a nice little like resolution and a mild deus ex machina that's just kind of helped along by a, a friendly wizard who deus ex machina is his way back into <laughs> into being with the party just in time. I mean, what's a story without a good deus ex machina? Mm-hmm. Um, I did come across some some speculation in the past about the fact that The Hobbit is very much all um, told from the perspective of Bilbo writing these adventures down years later. Mm. Um, And so he embellishes a lot. He's writing a book with his memoirs. Theoretically, within the canon, his book There and Back Again um, and The Hobbit are supposed to kind of be the same book. Mm. Um, The Hobbit that exists in the real world and the book that exists in the, the universe of there and back again they're kind of supposed to be the book that he's talking about writing is the book that you're reading if that makes sense um so kind of does so there's supposed to be a little bit of like an embellishment air about it um that kind of gets tempered a little bit later on in the story as as it gets a little bit more serious and Mm -hmm. like bigger things start happening um but early on it has that very fun like fish tail type feel to it yeah i really like that um and i like that there are these short chapters it's kind of a nice break after um you know the witcher chapters <laughs> were usually like 50 pages mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. very dense and a lot happened i i pointed out to alexa while we were reading this last night because it, it took us probably an hour 45 minutes or so to read it and i mean the summary probably only took about 15 to 20 minutes there um, but like we got really used to like some of the heavier chapters in the Witcher were a hundred pages long. I mean, they weren't 100 pages, they were, but they had 100 they, pages worth of content. They rounded to a hundred pages or so. But my point being that the entire book of the Hobbit was like one, one chapter of like later books of the Witcher was like one third of the entire book of the Hobbit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> When we were recapping The Witcher, that was a process 
First of all, mm-hmm. we had to read it and yep. take notes. That could be a three-hour process. It frequently was. It took a good chunk of time just to make sure like the notes are accurate, mm-hmm. they were capturing everything, mm-hmm. and then the summary itself takes like an hour, mm-hmm. sometimes more if yep. we're dealing with a very heady chapter. And that kind of time commitment actually really adds up, and mm-hmm. we enjoyed every minute. Oh of yeah, it. yeah, but it it is a big commitment, and it it was a large, it was a big lift just in general. And so like, it is nice to like kind of swing on the other side, yeah, especially yeah. now that we're kind of coming down from a really long mm-hmm. haul. Um, mm-hmm. that was really special, but I think you know took a lot of effort and dedication and, and mm-hmm. this is just sort of like a fun detour like it's, it's a fun bedtime story yeah. <laughs> like, it, just, it really like, is oh that's it like that's all we're doing yeah <laughs> like, yeah it's not like a thesis where we're like nope. <laughs> interweaving the tales of like six characters that are mm-hmm. super entertaining but it's mm-hmm. it's very difficult to recap the witcher yep there but so yeah there there's this is pretty much the whole chapter here um i (laughs) we should probably just move right into the the save rounds and alibis yeah Um, so this is the part where we offer analysis mm -hmm. and talk about what we liked and what we didn't um i mean there's really nothing to not like yeah so i wanted to start though with your fun fact about the swords that Gandalf, Ah, Thorin, and Bilbo take from the troll cave. So uh, the swords that they, they, and this this is going to come up a little bit later. It's not really a spoiler or anything, but um, the swords that they find in the troll cache, 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 um, the swords that they find in the troll cache are Sting, Mm -hmm. uh, Glamdr, well, Bilbo takes Sting, Gandalf takes Glamdring, um, and Thorin takes Foehammer. Um, Sting is the sword that uh, Bilbo has it with him through this whole adventure, um, and he gives it to Frodo at the beginning of uh, the Fellowship of the Ring. Glamdring is uh, Gandalf's sword, and it has some incantations about fire with it. Um, it does have some magical properties. It was forged by the elves millennia ago um but he carries it throughout the entire uh storyline um i think he even still has it when he's gandalf the white which somehow he got it back from when he was fighting the balrog eh <laughs> not important not important um anyways hand wave um so uh, yeah um the sword that uh, thorin has uh Fohammer, is um known for killing goblins and has a has a meticulous history of being good at killing goblins it was also made by the elves um and we do see it later when he fights goblins there'll be more on that later uh it plays a big part in in the movies also plays a big part in the in the stories so those were that that this is the origin of where they got their swords and Gandalf kind of signifies the importance when he says that it doesn't look like they were these swords were forged anywhere yeah, yep. nearby, yep. signifying their importance. These are probably pretty nice. <laughs> like the, they have runes on them, mm-hmm. so they'll be able to tell more from that. But it does like kind of signal to us, okay, these aren't just like regular swords that you find mm-hmm. like anywhere. So also, I wanted to bring up. Um, I know we keep going back to The Witcher. Uh, but this is 
this is this was this seems to be more of like an Easter egg episode that we're we're working on here. But there's a side quest in the Witcher Three video game where you encounter a troll who's been harassing people. <laughs> um, yeah. And he, I it just dawned on me he actually threatens to boil you. Um, and the troll's name is Bart. It's gotta be. And uh, like I a like I can't see it now without without thinking like this has got to be a reference to. Uh, Bert, the the mountain troll, um, who wants to boil the hobbits or the the dwarves <laughs> um, in uh, the Hobbit, um, and I, I feel like they're they're fans enough of the of both fantasy genre series that that um, CD Projekt Red would absolutely include something like that. It's a good strong troll name, Bert or Bert. Bart. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, so like. I feel I feel like there's got to be some like deeper literary meaning that we could look at here, but I'm I'm struggling a little bit on this chapter. But well, what I really liked about this chapter mm-hmm. is that it sort of seemed like Baby's first quest. Like, yes, it yes. was an intro to our mm-hmm. adventure, like, and it wrapped up neatly. So it was like we have the setup mm-hmm. we have the conflict and we have a quick resolution that's kind of funny mm-hmm. leads to a treasure it's kind of what i feel like every D campaign mm-hmm. is built around yes like this is th- i and i was gonna say that actually um is that this very much feels like a first encounter of like the D campaign it's like a way to get the party's feet wet, mm-hmm. to get to know your abilities, mm-hmm. and to get some weapons that are pretty cool. Yeah, that might be a little bit better than the, you know, the knobbly stick that you're holding kind of thing. Like, <laughs> And it's also, I do enjoy the humor a lot in this. Like, mm-hmm. I, I like that Bilbo is sort of tossed to the wolves. Like, mm-hmm. it was sort mm-hmm. of a baptism of fire to borrow another witcher saying. Yeah, yeah. Um he was told like okay like now go see what's up over Mm -hmm. by that fire there yeah we don't know what it is and it's probably nothing good but you're a burglar so yeah yeah you signed up (laughs) this is literally what you signed up for Uh, so things go wrong just hoot like an owl yeah we'll we'll definitely try and help you maybe sort of (laughs) we'll see (laughs) we'll see um so i mean like one of the i guess one of the bigger themes that you could definitely take out of this chapter is kind of trusting your own abilities um and kind of like learning learning to be and function outside of your comfort zone um that could definitely be something that that is trying to be taught and instilled here that you know even if you're scared it's okay to try and do the thing that needs to be done i don't think bilbo had much of a choice because no i don't like, think he did either he was sort of challenged and, and like what else and the party was do? kind of freezing to death so yeah <laughs> I think the problem for Bilbo is that they already don't believe in him. Like, yeah, because yeah. the first night he seems like a bit of a chicken to them. Like he, he doesn't he did make curl up in the fetal position <laughs> and start screaming. So, yeah, I mean, he doesn't make the best first impression. No. And, no. you know, he kind of shows up last minute to mm-hmm. the quest destination and he's been riding for a month and they might start trusting him a little bit, but mm-hmm. he hasn't proven himself. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
he kind of needs his like go up to the biggest kid in like the schoolyard and like mm. punch him like yeah he needs he to needs, assert his dominance like that yes he needs to show them that he's a burglar with skills even though he's clearly not a burglar with skills he's like a hobbit who has never been out of his little hobbit hole and yes. now he's being thrust into this situation but that's how heroes are made folks mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, fun little aside that's completely unrelated. Uh, I learned how to kind of pick locks this week. So you're um, basically a burglar now. I I have picked a couple of really really easy like entry level like baby's first Fisher Price like <laughs> <laughs> like the kind of lockers that your 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 sibling would put on their diary. <laughs> like, does it have like little sound effects? Yes, it actually makes a click like beep. Like there's a little speaker oh, that goes it. click. <laughs> when it opens um yeah so, so i'm basically a burglar oh, you know yeah, it's yeah, yeah, no it's, big deal uh-huh is it like in skyrim where you have like a set number of lock picks and then they just automatically <laughs> break no but it is actually pretty similar um in terms of the actual mechanics and i couldn't i couldn't help but like notice that that they're like you have to like keep the tension on the on the top tension bar mm-hmm. and then like you you uh po- poke you poke at the pins with your with your rake um, so yeah, it, it's actually moderately similar in terms of the mechanics in Skyrim. Um, I think if you have good lock picks, they they shouldn't be breaking. But anyways, it was just something my buddy, my coworker brought in to work, um, and he, he's just kind of like, yeah, I like to. He's very good at it. Like he picks like expert level locks, and like yeah. Anyways. Yeah, I mean, like, I... Burglary-related things that I'm I thought was kind of interesting. Impatient. Like, in video games, like, I'll come up to, like, a expert-level lock, and I'm, like, barely an intermediate. Yeah, yeah. Like, I got this, guys. I, as long as it'll let me hit the button enough times. And you, like, tap, and you, like, tap it one time, and it just immediately breaks, and you're like, I got this. You I just, got, like, 98 more. Yeah, and, you like, just, you're on 10, and you're like, I've still got this. I've got there, this. There's, like, a... 0.01% chance that I'll get this based on my skill it's level. It's worth it. It's worth it. I'll just like uh quick save and then just keep reloading the game, which I found out uh there's a term for that. Uh if you save your game and then do the thing until you get the thing right, the term is called save scumming. <laughs> I didn't know there was a and term. And like for I didn't like I was like I've been doing this for years in my video games. I did not realize that that I've been doing this. Like, yes, I mean, I, I get that it's kind of a cheesy tactic, but, like, sometimes you really want to catch that big Pokemon, or sometimes you really do want to beat that big boss. So you want that that outcome. Um, so, uh, shall we get back to more literary topics at hand? This has been a hobbit hole. Oh, it has been a hobbit. Oh, my yeah, God. I like another hobbit hole. I like how we can identify them as hobbit holes after the fact. Um, so, what do we think Gandalf was up to? See, this is the thing with Gandalf. <laughs> He's just off doing Gandalf things. He just tends to disappear and is very vague about it. And no one's going to call him on it because he's Gandalf. Yeah, that is very true. I mean, you do not meddle, meddle in the affairs of wizards, honestly. Yeah, and, you know, he, he kind of makes a comment or other people make a comment. I think the narrator talks about how hobbits are just very good at disappearing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's true. Mm-hmm. 
But Gandalf is better at disappearing at like the Irish goodbye. Yes. <laughs> anybody. Yes. He he just Irish goodbyes all the time, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. He's just like, wait, where did he go? Oh, oh, he's gone. Oh, okay. He didn't say goodbye to anybody. All right, whatever. I guess I guess we're just, he's just gone now. I mean, I guess it could be magical, but I also think it's like, no one expects him I, to leave. Like mm-hmm. you have Gandalf who's put together like this whole party. He's, he's like the mastermind of the whole thing. And Why is he gone? Like You're like, wait, I thought he was with us the entire time. Mm-hmm. Like no one's really looking out for him because like you kind of just assume he's going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think you even need to use magic. He just well, rides I, off. I, I kind of love that implication about Gandalf. Um, just in the fact that like, there's a lot of things that it's implied that he's magical about. This is not one of them. Yeah. <laughs> His ability to just dip out of social situations is kind of implied to not be magic. And he just does it. And I think it's kind of better that we don't know exactly what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's kind of more fun to fill in some of the blanks ourselves. Yeah. I know the Hobbit movies kind of fill in a little bit of those absences with frog DNA. Mm-hmm. Like... Mm-hmm taking from you know you're gonna have to pronounce this for me because which i'm probably also (laughs) i'm also probably not pronouncing correctly so it kind of injects some storylines from there as Mm -hmm. to what he might be doing at this time period like important things but i think it's kind of more fun to just imagine what gandalf Mm -hmm. could be oh it absolutely is and and I also think there is a lot of truth to what you say what you said about Gandalf last chapter, which is that he has a lot of, you know, foresight. He kind yeah, of has yep. an understanding of what's going to happen. So he kind of knows when he has to be there and when he doesn't need to be there. Mm-hmm, like he mm-hmm. knows that, okay, I need to be back there at some point, but right now I can go off and tackle an errand. Yeah, I there, I I need to get my magical groceries. Um, yeah, and like there's there's definitely a lot of that. He's always gonna show up when he's needed, even if it's not when other people think he's needed. Yes, <laughs> yes, that, that's a good way to put it. Um, and I think that's why he's so fun. To answer your question, I mean, he could be grabbing a pint with Radagast the Brown. Um, he could be, you know, shopping for staffs somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, he could just be, you know, like riding on his Peloton. He likes to stay active and fit. Um, it's one of the ways that he can quest as much as he does. Mm, mm. Um, it's it's a very big brand deal for Peloton. Yeah, yeah. They don't have a lot of wizards. It's no, no. It's the robes. It makes riding riding a bike go hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They don't. They make, haven't. They haven't gotten into the whole pantsuit thing. They don't yet. make like bike shorts that are robe friendly i don't know no no like yeah you you gotta put once you start putting like comets and stars and stuff on the bike shorts then i think they might Mm. they might get the wizard crowd Mm. involved belgaforts is very into that no he they're too gauche for him (laughs) i didn't think there was anything too gauche for belgaforts he's very fashion-minded anyway don't 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 speak his name too much i i know i don't want to tempt him out Mm mm-hmm um, I know that you're still rooming with him and it's it's very it's hard. hard to exterminate him. Yep, yep. Um, the people who did not listen to the witchery. No, I know. No <laughs> like, idea what we're talking about. Anyways. Um, I, so 
I also just like the troll scene a lot because mm. it's not very long. Like it's only a couple of pages really. But just the thought of these trolls getting into an argument over mm, like very mm. dumb things. Like Yeah, yeah. I mean, like they're arguing about them, squishing them. I mean, really, them. this is a classic argument that anyone who's, you know, been in a friendship or a relationship can relate to, which is like, what do we have for dinner? Yes. And then, like someone <laughs> says chicken and you're like, I'm we've, tired of chicken. I, we've had chicken nine times this week. Yep. Nine times this week. And it's only it's, it's only days. Tuesday. <laughs> How do we have this nine days? Um, so. I like that they're fighting. It's obviously played for comic effect. Mm -hmm. Um, It's interesting that these are sentient beings. Okay. Thank you for bringing that up because I'd forgotten. There there is a bit of a plot hole. There's a big plot hole (laughs) in this chapter particularly. Do tell. Um, I don't know if plot hole is even. It's more of a continuity error. Okay. Um, so within the rest of the Lord of the Rings series, trolls are depicted as non-sentient. And it was, non-sentient isn't necessarily quite the right word, but like non- intelligent being. Yeah. Um, they don't. They don't have a language in the rest of the series. They don't talk. Um, they don't like think. They don't cook. Um, they don't wear clothes. Um, so this is the only depiction of them that in the series where they talk and the only depiction where they like wear clothes or talk about cooking. Um, so it's really kind of weird, um, in the, because it's completely dropped after this chapter. Um, never to be seen again. (laughs) Well, so they they Maybe actually they were like the last of their kind. The, like, and there there could be there 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 could be some really easy hand waving, but they just he, Tolkien just never really does it. Like Tolkien kind of forgot about the intelligent trolls. I think, like I said, I think a lot of this really just goes back to the fact that he was kind of just writing this one, this portion, without really any larger vision yet. Um, so yeah, like he has. I think he probably wrote this story independently. Mm. And wanted to work it into his, you know, his series. So I think that was kind of how he worked it in was just like, all right, well, these trolls talk. But but why? Trolls in your universe don't talk otherwise. Eh, Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. All right. It's a great story. Like I, I and I can't fault it in any way. Other than the fact that it's just, it breaks the continuity a little bit with the representation of trolls in the rest of the series. Yeah, that that does break some things. But I, I do think it's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. And the way it is resolved is pretty funny as well. Yeah. And I also really enjoyed. The oh, w- OK, go ahead. Actually, the, because sorry, the way it's resolved is also a thing that is never, never talked about again. Um, the trolls turning to stone in sunlight. I, 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 it's never a thing that's ever brought up ever again in the series. I think it, I think they touch on it a little bit, um, but we never see trolls in daylight. As far as I can remember, it's been a while, but like, yeah. So like, that's also kind of not a thing that's brought back up again. But what if this is Bilbo's elaboration? Like, what if this is part of his storytelling? Yes. Yes. It could absolutely be. 
Like they could have run into trolls. Maybe it was something else. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's more fun if he it's tells more it this fun way. if he tells it this way. Yeah, yep. And it kind of glosses it. It also kind of relays that you know maybe this is a, a story that Bilbo is writing for his nephew Frodo to tell during mm-hmm. bed. Um, maybe he's going to glance over the scary parts. The fact that they were very strong, they were very close to being eaten, which I think is going to bother some people. <laughs> like, I did like how the dwarves were captured. It was just like, just grab a, grab a sack. Y- <laughs> like, you just could put just it over like, them. Kind of hear the sound effects. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Ah, <laughs> ah. <laughs> 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 yes, yes. It's very cartoonish. Just like one by one. Mm-hmm, they're just mm-hmm. gathered into sacks and like the trolls are just like, Oh, got another one. Yep, oh, got, got another, another one. one. Yep. <laughs> And like Thorin's like, what is going on? These guys are idiots. Why are they? <laughs> They're just wandering in one by one in a single file. Like, <laughs> oh, look, another body. <laughs> look, another body. <laughs> so let's talk about the voice that emerges to mm-hmm. confuse the trolls. Um, in retrospect, it's very easy to tell like what the voice is saying mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it is literally like a voice says this, not yes. one of the trolls. Like <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. clearly all of the lines before are attributed to one of the trolls. Yes. And this voice just like kind of comes out and starts tossing things out to like stir the pot. I say we let them go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It, like basically it, it's the, this voice comes in from the the woods and it's Gandalf just being a ventriloquist. Yes, like he's trying to incite some violence among the trolls, which is not that hard, honestly. Yeah. Um. So he like basically is able to confuse them long enough to distract them from the rising sun. Yeah, and I mean, like that's it's some good. Uh, that's actually also one of the thi- one of the kind of recurring themes that I also really like in. Uh, it's particularly in the hobbit it doesn't come up nearly quite as much in the in the trilogy but there is a lot of solutions outside of just fighting your problems mm. um and this is kind of like a prime example of that that gandalf doesn't charge in and like set the troll's skin on fire he could if he wanted to. he could do that um and he kind of in a roundabout way does that um but he he outwits them um he does this entirely without any any con and any combat i should say um and it kind of speaks to one of the theme to like one of the themes of the book of using your wits to be deal with the fact that you are vastly outclassed in the uh, in the obstacle that you are currently facing and it also reminds me a lot of a D&D campaign because there are multiple ways yes. to fix a problem. Yes, yes. There's there's many ways. And so this this series is going to be rife with things like that that are that like just feel really D&D-ish. Um, so like we read The Witcher, which is basically a D&D, basically like a fork off of a D&D style plot line. Mm-hmm. D&D is ostensibly a fork of a plot line off of Lord of the Rings. Yes, it's it's very interesting because mm-hmm. this is where it all began. Like yeah, this yeah. is the formative layer. So it kind of feels weird to be like this reminds me of a D&D yeah. campaign, but because it's so heavily inspired, like you can't 
not notice yes yes and realistically like it should it, it this came first like it should be like oh this this D reminds me of this yeah um so and that was that's always something that i've i've that has always kind of stood out with with this series for me um another thing that i would like to point out and it's made me break my sanity a little bit and mm-hmm. question everything when bilbo is picking the troll's pocket yeah he pulls out a purse and I read it six times because I wanted to make sure that I was reading it correctly. The purse says to him, Eek, what are you doing? Yeah, that's never really explained, is it? No. I, like, the only thing I can think of is it's just like a like a weird like artifact of something that, he, that Tolkien was doing that just <laughs> kind of made it into the final print. He's like, I'm sure I'll get around to I'll that. I'll get around to eventually. it somewhere eventually. <laughs> Um, like I said, I had, I reread the the line like five or six times to make sure I was reading it correctly. Um, it's never mentioned again. Like I, it's like, I don't know that it was important. I probably was not important at all. Um, but like my brain just like latches onto things like that. And it's just like, what, what was this? Like, where, where was this going? Like, yeah. I'm kind of able to convince myself. Oh, you probably didn't see that right. Or yeah, yeah. it, it wasn't. It wasn't that like he, whatever you're it was, misreading it, it or something no no i read it like six times um yeah and like so at that moment like the troll grabs him and then the troll starts talking to him and the purse never speaks to him again and they all turn to stone and it's never mentioned so i don't know well the purse presumably survives i guess like but like there's like an implication that like maybe the purse had a, a something in it that talked like well, that just sounds like one of the players didn't like examine it. Yeah, yeah. I, well I enough, mm. and so that's a plot line they never nope. opened up. Nope, it never, never goes anywhere. Yeah, like that. That may have been a whole separate campaign. You know, it that could have. Been. They could have opened that sack, and it would have teleported them into Romania, where they fought vampires. Yeah, but yeah, we'll never know. Alas. Yep. <laughs> Alas. Um. Finally, when they're able to find the treasure, that was a nice little payoff. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed just like sort of the linear experience of you uh, outwit hard boss mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you immediately you get reward. Immediately get rewarded for it. Yeah. Um, and it, it gives it has that whole like nice little bow on the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just has this really just warm like this whole chapter is a bottle episode. Yeah. Um, it really is. And for anyone that's not familiar with the term, a uh, bottle episode refers to like when a TV series, usually a TV series does uh, an entire episode contained within like a room. And there's like a beginning plot, like conflict point, And then an end plot conflict point at the end of the episode. And everything is contained within the episode. There's nothing external. There's no overarching plot. Nothing moves forward outside of that episode. It's and like, this chapter yeah. is very much like that. I think that's kind of a little bit why we're, we're, we're straining a little bit to kind of do some like bigger, deeper dives here. Well, sometimes there doesn't necessarily need to be a yeah, deeper plot. Yeah. It's just about like enjoying the experience. And, yeah. and I think that's what chapter two is all about. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why I was saying that is, is that, yeah, I feel like the point of this chapter is just enjoying the fun romp experience. Yeah. And 
personally, um, as a big X-Files fan who's Mm -hmm. watched through a couple of times and Mm -hmm. seen my favorite episodes probably like five or six times, um, I tend to really like the bottle episodes or monster of the week Mm -hmm. episodes Mm -hmm. because usually those are the most fun. Yes. Yes. Uh, They don't take themselves too seriously Mm -hmm. and you don't get caught up in like, wait, what? is going on with Mulder's sister. What does this mean for the greater overarching plot? What what is going on with the alien DNA? Like you just are able to enjoy it. It's monster cockroaches. Don't think too much about it. (laughs) Like, yeah, like we can, we could look at like, okay, here's motivation, like motivations of Bilbo gain approval by the dwarves, not get squished. (laughs) Like literally like that's it. Uh, Character development of Bilbo. He learns to not be as scared and trust his abilities. It's a really simple. And, yeah, theme. like it's it's everything is super straightforward. It's just like I said, it's a very fun, self-contained, easily identifiable section. I mean, Bilbo isn't really the big hero here. No, I mean, like he does gain <laughs> confidence, but yeah. it's not like all of a sudden he's like, "I got this guy." I got this, guys. Send me up against Smog. I, I mean, got it. He he kind of lucks out a mm-hmm. lot, which I think is like sort of a common thing that happens with Bilbo. (laughs) It absolutely Um, is. Like Bilbo sort of is able to observe things. He's able Mm -hmm. to put things together in ways that I don't think the dwarves always consider. But in this situation, he's like not the most useful, but I also don't think he has to be because Mm -hmm. Gandalf is sort of their fail safe. I, so getting into this a little bit and we'll see this theme a little bit more throughout kind of the rest of the series bilbo kind of in a lot of ways constantly fails up yeah um and that's in a lot of for most characters that would make them a bad character and bilbo isn't necessarily a great character um for reasons that we'll get into probably later on in the book um but he's enjoyable and he's lovable um but his failing up is really heavily contrasted against Frodo in the trilogy and the absolute antithesis of that in like literally everything possibly going wrong does go wrong. He, Bil- Bilbo crawled so Frodo could run. Yes. <laughs> Basically every, in every chance that Bilbo gets lucky and just kind of lucks out, Frodo gets unlucky and doesn't luck out like yes so it it, it, this actually might this chapter may stand for a better example of the contrast between the two so we might have to do a a bigger look maybe later on in the in the book maybe a bigger look further on as we get along in the book well we get a little preview at the end Mm -hmm. when thorin asked gandalf where were you anyway Mm -hmm. um like Gandalf is like, well, you know, like I was looking ahead and mm-hmm. then like Thorne asked for more specifics and he's like, okay, I, I met some guys from Rivendell, mm-hmm. Elrond's men. Yep. And Bilbo's like, what's Rivendell? And what are those? <laughs> Gandalf is like, don't worry about it. We'll be yep. there in a few days anyway. So Rivendell, which is a very important mm-hmm. location mm-hmm. in both the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings is, like this is the first real mention we get. It is in fact the first mention that we get of it. Um so Rivendell is the oh it is the realm of the middle elves I want to say. Ooh. 
my 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 Tolkienologists are going to crucify me on this one. Um, it is the the kingdom of Elrond. Elrond being the king of the elves in the west. He has a strangely southern name, though, like Elrond. Elrond. He does. Elrond. He does. Yep. Um, <laughs> he does, especially if you split it up. Won't you come home now, Elrond? I'm serving cream corn, Elrond. <laughs> Your favorite. Um, so yeah, it it is basically the the stronghold of the elves. I want to say in the west. I'm probably wrong in that. Um. And it is kind of like they, those elves are like the most um, involved in world doings. So all the other elves are kind of just like, we don't really want to get involved in human affairs or whatever you guys are up to. So Galadriel is basically the leader of the high elves who are also kind of above all of the elves and the land, which is why... Galadriel was so like highly esteemed when everybody met her um, because she is on par with like basically she's basically like one degree away from Lord of the Rings God. So what about Legolas? Um, So Legolas is the son of the king of the wood elves. And where are the wood elves? The wood elves in all of this are much further to the south and much further away. And they're kind of isolated, right? They're 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 the Appalachia of, <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that in many way, in many of the same ways that one would expect to mean that term. Okay. Um. So Appalachia, for anyone who's, I know we have a lot of non-American listeners. Um, Appalachia is the region of mountains that runs from about Pennsylvania down into Georgia-ish. Um, on the just west of the east coast, I um, think of it as mostly Carolinas. Like when you talk about like Appalachian people and mm-hmm. and living in Appalachia, I think of like the Carolinas. Really, it it passes through the Carolinas, but it it is a geographically isolating area, um, and the people that live there tend to be have a history, at least I should say, have a history of like moonshining. Um, and not being super friendly to people who are not from Appalachia because they don't want them getting involved in their moonshining and or their affairs. Not from around here, boy. A little bit of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, moonshining meaning making booze in your like bathtub or something similar. Um, so yeah, like they are the wood elves in Lord of the Rings are kind of in that vein. Um, they kind of they like their woods and they don't want other people coming into their woods. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I mean, that kind of makes sense, um, which to, to shows interesting character development for Legolas. But we'll get there when we get to him to borrow something from the Witcher. They kind of remind me a little of Brokilon. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Not as fierce, but, you know, um, Elrond's people seem to mostly wander around in castles with like long flowy gowns and just contemplate. That's kind of really all elves do in general. <laughs> um, and unless there's actually like a war war, like then they put on like their plate armor and then they kind of go out and like they, they have their big sweepy spears with like sharp blades on the end. Um, but until that happens, like, they just kind of wander around like an Enya music video <laughs> and just like 
kind of exist waifishly. That does seem mm-hmm. like the life, though. Mm-hmm. I can't really. That I mean, that sounds ha- pretty great. It's hard to see other people living your dream. <laughs> it's hard to see other people living it. I mean, I, you know, I can't fault Enya. She lives in a castle by herself with her five cats. <laughs> and seems great. In a, yeah, in, in a 30,000 square foot castle. It seems nice to be Arwen and just, like, be able to, like, wear pretty gowns and just, like, collapse on a fainting couch waiting Mm -hmm. for aragorn to return yeah yeah um which is a lot more of what she does in the books compared to the movies the movies fleshed her out a lot more which is (laughs) which is good honestly we'll talk about that some other time um a lot of velour gowns Hmm. which is something that like only seems cool here (laughs) i'm not gonna (laughs) lie like it's one of those things that like you you see it on like in like the movies and you you see the the elves and their fashion and you're just like oh it's so cool like it'd be so great to be able to dress like that (laughs) and then like you see something like that like in a store and you're just like that looks terrible and stupid (laughs) In, in re- it's fuzzy <laughs> in reality you're just like lightning bolt lightning bolt lightning bolt, bolt. <laughs> yeah uh, and then then you realize that you're getting beaten up by the quidditch kids for mu- for lunch money <laughs> <laughs> we brought it full circle. we brought it full circle folks um so with that though i think the fire is getting a little low um we have to go figure out how to squish meat into jelly really hard it's really hard um my toes are very spread apart uh so it doesn't work too well i have to kind of like i have to kind of like clench with my toes no i don't like and the, the meat visual. the meat squeezes through it, it's it's kind of rough um there are alexa never, voices everywhere alexa never wants to eat my my cheeseburgers and i don't know why yeah it's a mystery i i don't get it you know yeah it, it, the meat's so tender Anyways, until next time, I'm John Mark. And I'm Alexa. Good night. Good night.